take two of your fingers and check your pulse. You, you, you got it? <laughs> Have you found it yet? Here's the good news. We are all alive this morning. Online, did you check? A guys watching on the Panda web. Just look over to your neighbor real quick and just see, are they? Right? The question though is, are you fully living? The question this morning is, are you existing or are you thriving in this thing we called life? Yeah, you might be married, but is your marriage thriving? You might be in college, but are you thriving towards a potential career path? You might, whatever, fill in the blank. The question this morning is, are you fully alive? Are you living your best life now? Because your best life yesterday just doesn't matter because yesterday's gone. And not one of us in this gathering or online has a promise of tomorrow. So the day to live your best life, to fully be alive is now, today. And if we're not fully living, the question is why? What's keeping me from stepping up? Because we want it. We want to be fully alive. We want our best life now. If you got your copy of God's word, join me in Philippians chapter one. There's a guy, his name is Paul. Up to this point in his life, he's been fairly successful. He, he was a prominent politician, he had risen in the ranks of the religious community that he had served. He had cash, he had resources, he had influence, he had power. Some would have said he was fully alive. Some would say that he was fully living, that he had it all. Then he had an up-close experience with Jesus Christ and it changed his life. And in this particular place where we catch Paul today, he's actually imprisoned. Some would say he's no longer fully leaving. Some would say, my goodness, Paul, you had it all. You had career, you had cash, you had influence, you had upward mobility. Now you're in a prison cell. And notice what he says in Philippians chapter one. He says, for me to live is Christ. This guy who's locked up behind bars, all of our guys with God behind bars, listen, this guy is living your story. And he went on to do incredible things for Christ. Hear me, your location does not determine your identity or your potential. Yeah. Every person this morning can live their full life now. If you stick with me, I'm gonna unpack a couple thoughts, ideas that will really move us forward in fully living now. 
But when Paul says for me to live is Christ, we need to say some things out loud this morning. We might actually have to say some things this morning that irritate us. First of all, following Jesus is not following principles. Following Jesus isn't adhering to a denominational standard. Following Jesus is not behavior modification. Following Jesus is a decision that you make that apart from him being in your life, your life has no potential at all. Following Jesus is a public declaration that I embrace temporary discomfort. When you make a decision that you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, you are simultaneously saying out loud, on this day forward, I embrace temporary discomfort. Now I realize this is a mind shift that most of us don't fully understand because the false religion that's been sold to you, that's been peddled to you, has taught you that if you pray the sinner's prayer, and I'm all about a sinner's prayer, but if you pray for Jesus, your life will become comfortable. It'll become easier. Your life will be better with Jesus. And here's the problem. is some of us walk down that aisle and we bought it. And then as you walked out into your everyday life, it wasn't as comfortable as you thought it would be. It wasn't as easy and smooth sailing as someone promised you. And so the disillusionment of following Jesus began to settle in. Some doubt, then you became discouraged. And today we actually have a term in the United States of America called deconstruction where people who so-called were followers of Jesus, including pastors, have come to a point and said, wait a second, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I wanted. And so they've begun to deconstruct their faith, leaving Jesus. We follow Jesus. We don't follow rules. We don't follow an institution. We don't follow principles. It's not behavior, it's Jesus. Paul said, for me to live is Christ because he had a relationship with Jesus. And in this space, he embraced temporary discomfort. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, do you really know Jesus? Like, do you really know his life? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you lean in because my hope is that you would see that life is at its best with Jesus. But if you've already said, I've made that decision for Jesus, how well do you really know Jesus and his life? How comfortable was the life of Jesus? Before he was born, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 said this, he, Jesus, was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. That's who you're following. You're following a man who was despised. Matthew chapter eight, Jesus says these words, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I like how Eugene Peterson put it in the message version. Jesus was curt. He was to the point. Are you ready to rough it? 
we're not staying in the best ends, you know. When you came to Jesus, did you understand that, that it's not an easier way? It's not a more comfortable way. When one of his disciples, a guy named Peter, saw that Jesus' life had become uncomfortable, when it looked like that, that Jesus wasn't in an easier, a popular way, he took action. He pulled out his sword and he began to try to control the circumstances so that Jesus' life would be more comfortable. Notice John 18. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall not I drink of the cup the Father has given me? In other words, Peter, stop it. It's not about making my life more comfortable. The Father has a plan for me. There's a purpose for me. I'm living on that purpose passionately. If somebody told you that your life would be easier following Jesus, you were totally misled. Jesus Christ is the great disruptor of the soul. Following Jesus is more than a a list of rules, things that you don't do here or things that I better do over here. Following Jesus is a deliberate decision. Now, I know, listen, I know that when you made this decision for Jesus, someone said, okay, here's the check boxes. You do these things and what it means to follow Jesus. Now, all these things are good. Check box, read your Bible. It's good to read your Bible. Check box, pray. It's good to pray. Checkbox, go to church. It's good to go to church. I'm glad we're gathered today. I'm glad we're gathered online, wherever you might be. Follow Jesus. Check the box. Give some of your money. Check the box. Serve. And many of us have thought that's what it means to follow Jesus. Checkbox, 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 checkbox. And let me ask you, how close do you feel to Jesus this morning? How has Jesus changed your life? How has Jesus changed your family's life? How has Jesus changed your neighborhood? How has Jesus changed our city, our county, our state, our country? Maybe we need to move off this checkbox and begin to understand that ultimately to follow Jesus means I'm making a decision that I'm going to embrace temporary discomfort. Know this this morning. Jesus is nauseated by mediocrity. Jesus is disturbed by our apathy. We live so committed in every other areas of our life. And then somehow we want to show up and give a token tip to God. The easiest way, the most comfortable way. Jesus has declared war against the status quo. Following Jesus is a declaration. This one named Jesus who left the comfort of heaven and he took on mankind and he stepped out into the world and was tempted in every way. He left his powers in heaven and he allowed his creation to humiliate him. Jesus embraced temporary Discomfort, And to those of us who are followers of Jesus, are we embracing temporary 
discomfort? Or have we followed Jesus because, well, you know, everything's about an ROI. And if I follow Jesus and I check the box and read my Bible, and I check the box and I pray more, and I check the box and serve more, and I check the box and don't look at bad things online, and I check the box, then I'll get an ROI. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of us, you've checked your boxes, but it hasn't turned out so well. Because following Jesus is not marked by the comfort zone. Rather, it's marked by a faith zone, following a God into a rugged, crazy, unknown world, believing that his presence in me and with me and for me is the game changer. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Embrace a temporary discomfort. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That's what I'm after. I'm not after for the temporary parking spot. Oh, dear God, please help me with this. I want the character of my heart to be changed because I'm going somewhere. These short few years on this earth are but a short season. There's coming a day because I actually believe this story that Jesus is the son of God and that one day I will take my last breath and I have a home in a real place called heaven. I'm preparing, I'm laying up for me the treasures in the place that I'm gonna live forever. I think maybe perhaps potentially too many of us have decided we want a lollipop Lord. We just want a nice little lick and be satisfied here and there. Some of us have a sweet tooth sugar daddy savior. Saddle up, sugar daddy Jesus. Give me this and give me that. And I'll token tip you somewhere along the way. A lot of us look at God like our own private Uber driver. We, we type in the address we want to go to, and we want Uber God just to show up and take us wherever the hell we want to go. Something's got to change. I don't know about you. I don't want to read in my newspaper in the last three weeks, two of our first responders have taken their life. I'm not going to play church on a Sunday and go through the motions and go home and have some meal and then get on with my way. Something has to change deep down inside of our hearts. And it starts with men and women who say that they're following Jesus because we must begin to embrace temporary uncomfort. Because really being alive, the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ. Really to be alive is to follow a God you can't control. There's nothing exciting about somehow thinking you can articulate everything about God, you can control him like a lollipop and somehow be inspired to give your whole life to him. Rather, we want to follow a God who we cannot control out into this rugged, crazy world and to believe that he will guide us day by day. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and 12, notice, anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such person's loyalty in love with God, the reward is life and more 
life. It's what we want. I want more life. I want a better life, but it's found in me being fully immersed, fully committed in following Jesus, and following Jesus is not comfortable. He is the great disruptor of our soul. We've turned Jesus into this upper middle class, some kind of cute fairy tale unicorn God. And it's why so many don't want anything to do with this God. That's why so many of our children and your, your, your grandchildren are walking away, deconstructing their faith. Because somehow we've promised this life of ease and comfortability and you sprinkle some Jesus on your life, it'll just make it better. Jesus said in John 16 and 33, I have told you these things so that in me you'll have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Don't you love the promise from Psalms 30 and verse five? Weeping may stay for the night. Maybe that's where you are right now. But the promise is what? Rejoice in coming in the morning. I don't know when your morning is. You know, Autumn stood right here just a few moments ago And she led us to sing, Um, if you, I wrote it down, if I hear you speak, I don't need an explanation. So is that just a cute lyric or is that how you're living your life? I think we need to repent this morning from getting an explanation from God. We need to, once again, to the Christ followers. Let me tell you, if you're not a Christ follower, I, I, I get it. You've kind of watched how we live our lives. And you're like, listen, Christ, the way that Christ might not, be, he must not be that real. I mean, if you really tipped in and you really believed that it was all about Jesus and he's God and he died, it would radically impact our lives day by day. If I hear you speak, I don't need an explanation. Embrace temporary discomfort. What, what does that look like for you? Hey, for some of you, instead of criticizing President Biden, you need to start praying for him. For some of us, it's choosing to forgive somebody who's hurt you. Stop criticizing everybody, trying to promote yourself, blaming and complaining and defending and talking. That, that, that would be uncomfortable to finally say, hey, I'm my own worst enemy. My issues are my issues. Embrace temporary comfortability. Some of us need to help our children know Jesus better than baseball. I'm all about baseball. Hey, listen, it's not an either or, it's an and also. But raising our kids to run after Christ. Some of us embracing temporary discomfort is inviting a friend next week to the Super Bowl party here on our campus. It makes no sense. You can't square it. You can't excuse it. You can't blame it. If you're sitting here this morning and you say that you're a believer and follower of Jesus and you've got one lost friend in Central Florida and you don't bring them next weekend, don't give me no excuse. You don't care where they spend eternity. As far as you're concerned, they can go to hell. Because if you really believe this and you really believe that life is brief and that perhaps potentially, what if their last day is 
I want my friends, I want my neighbors, I want my coworkers, I want everybody to know that the hope that they're looking for is found in Jesus Christ. That's uncomfortable. But that's what it means to follow after Jesus. It's to embrace temporary discomfort. Some of us, it's to get up and open up his word and to read. It's uncomfortable. You want to see what's going on in the world. You want to sleep in. It's uncomfortable to pray. It's uncomfortable to serve. It's uncomfortable to say, hey, listen, I'm going to give my money so that men and women, boys and girls, so that those ladies at Project Hope, you understand Project Hope has no gadget, has no widget. They don't sell anything. You, other people gave. And those ladies, the hope that they're finding in Jesus Christ, because somebody got uncomfortable and gave their cash rather than selling their 2020 SUV so they could get a 2023 SUV. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for some of us to move from being a consumer to a contributor. To move from being a fan, hip, hip, hooray. Go, Jesus, go. Get that ball and go, go the other way. Get. We don't need any more cheerleaders. We need men and women who are willing to step on the field and get uncomfortable and be who God has created us to be. Romans 8 and 31, the Bible says, when then shall we say in response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? For the win, we win when we embrace temporary discomfort. Let me give you one other thing to write down this morning. As if that wasn't enough already. I'm just telling you, your best life I want best for you. I want best for me. We have been sold a bill of goods thinking, make it all comfortable. Everything in life, take any profession, sport, all the people that you look up to, all the movies that you watch, all the entertainment, all the um, stories. It's always a story of somebody who was uncomfortable in something and they risked it and they stepped out and they excelled. It's a story of our Savior, Jesus. He stepped out of heaven. He risked everything so that every man and every woman, every boy, every girl, every, so, every social economic status, every culture, every skin color would see that God has come into the world. Here's the second thing you write it down, is leverage your life for others to discover hope in Christ. So we embrace what's discomfort now we have to leverage. All of us are leveraging our life for something. All of us are leveraging our life for someone. But that's what Christ did. Christ leveraged his life. He walked out with the life preserver of him because he saw our boats, our lives are sinking. Back to Philippians chapter one, right? First he says, for me to live is Christ. He's struggling. He's saying, hey, listen, I had it all. I'm now a follower of Jesus. And now I'm making my life's purpose. I find life really living is for Christ. 
And now he's caught, right? Because he's, he's, he's in jail. Is he going to continue to live? Or will these Roman soldiers take his life? Will they execute him? He doesn't know. He's kind of debating what's, what's better. Do, 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 I, do, do I just die and go to heaven and be out of all this hurt and be out of all this pain and I'll be finally with God? Or is it better for me to keep living here? And notice what he says in verse 23. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. In other words, for me, if it, hey, right now, it'd be a whole lot better. Just kill me, God. I'm going to get up into heaven. It'd be better for me how I want to live, my 20 square feet. It'd be better if I just died. But notice what he says in verse 24. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. What might happen in Ocala, Florida? What might happen in Marion County, the state of Florida, these United States of America? What might happen in Canada and in Mexico and across both ponds if we woke up today and as we looked towards people around us, we said, but it's more necessary for you. Not what I want. Paul, not, not what I want. It'd be, I'd just rather go to heaven. I'd just rather be with Jesus now. But it's more necessary for you. He's leveraging his life for others to discover hope in Christ. Why? Because that's the example of Jesus. He left his comfort zone, heaven, and he came to the earth. And he was tempted in every way that we've been tempted. He was a man of sorrows. What does that look like to leverage your life for others to discover hope in Christ? It's going to look different for all of us because we're all in different places. But your sphere of, of, of influence in life, perhaps you've seen over the last year or so in between whatever show that you're watching, a commercial that caught your attention. A commercial that when it comes to the end, it says something like this, he gets us. A, a, a very granular, black and white type of video where some men and women decided that, hey, there's a whole lot of people in America who think God's against them. That God's mad at them. And so they began to sit down and do a marketing campaign. And they put together some videos titled, He Gets Us. Next week, we'll talk more about it because it's Super Bowl Sunday. But for the first time in the history of the Super Bowl, Jesus is going to the Super Bowl. Uh, matter of fact, in between the first, and I'll give you it in, in writing next week or on the weekend recap, in between the first and second quarter, a 30-second ad from He Gets Us is going to play. And then the very first break in the fourth quarter, we will have a 60-second ad. And I'm really excited. It's because you're going you're gonna to be watching the Super Bowl with friends. And, and, and listen, the only show that happens in the whole year where people are more quiet during the commercials than they are during the show is the Super Bowl. A lot of people are only watching because of the commercials. 
So in case you haven't seen it yet, and to help prepare us so that you're in that space and you can say to other, hey, wow, what was that? What do you think about that? I want you to take a look at how some people are leveraging their life for people to discover hope in Christ. Here, take a look. A caring man took a walk. Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high, hope dwindled, hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles, shared joy, shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled not with food and wine, but with compassion. Nice. Right? Yeah. Come on, I mean, I'm just... It's every... I, I love what happens. I love what happens on Sunday. I, I mean, I love you. And being able to come and to stand and, and teach and talk about Jesus, I love it. But we have said since day one at Church of Hope, it's not so much where you sit on Sunday, it's who you stand for Monday through Saturday. We've got to change how we think. We think following Jesus is coming to 3233 Southeast Mary Camp on Sunday. And we do the Jesus thing for an hour, then we park it and then we go on our way. This is just the spark plug. You are the engine and those other hours throughout the week is when you go out and you leverage your life and where you are. So how do we do this? Jesus is the great life preserver. But here's the deal. First, you've got to be owned by him. You've got to somewhere come to a point where you've attached your life. You cannot give what you don't have. You cannot, you cannot share what you don't own. And so at some point, right, you've got to make a decision that you're going to take your one and only life. You've come to the conclusion you can't save you. That's the problem. Most of us in this gathering think you are better than you are. You think you can save you. And you've sprinkled some Jesus on your life and you think that's enough and it's a lie. You've got to take your life and you've got to attach yourself to the life preserver. You've got to become attached. You, 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 until you become attached, let me tell you, the reason we don't share it is because if you got honest, you don't believe it. You share your favorite restaurant because you believe it's really good. You share that book, you share that movie, you share those videos, you share that post online because you believe it. We share what we believe. The time is now that we once again need to attach ourselves. And in a moment when I pray, I don't care how long you've been coming to church. I don't care if you think everybody in the world thinks that you are attached to Jesus. If you're not attached to Jesus, today's your day. Because if you're not attached to Jesus, means you have no life preserver. means when you die and you thought you're going to go to a place called heaven, you ain't. And take that English however you want to take it. 
You got to first attach your life to Jesus. Notice what the word says in 1 Corinthians 15. Friends, let me go over the message with you one more final time. If you're a Christ follower, this is your anthem. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Friends, let me not let the pastor, let the priest, let my mima, my papa, let me go over the message with you one final time. This message that I proclaimed and that you made your own, this message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. I'm assuming now that you, your belief was that real thing and not a passing fancy that you're in this for good and holding fast. Are you? You know, excuses are like belly buttons. Everybody has one. And you do whatever you want to do. And this, this, this day and age, of, of, we offer the easiest and quickest excuses of stepping away from being fully committed to following Jesus Christ. We've got to change. We've got to invite the Holy Spirit of God to change our hearts. Let me tell you, when your favorite artist is coming to town, you done bought yourself your tickets to go to that concert, ain't nobody or nothing getting in your way. You ain't texted, well, I'm sorry I can't come tonight because Johnny's got a sniffle. The same issues that are happening in 2023 were happening with the Apostle Paul at this church at Corinth. The first thing I did was to place before you what was placed so emphatically before me, that the Messiah died for our sins exactly as Scripture tells it, that he was buried and that he was raised from death on the third day. Again, exactly as Scripture says, that he presented himself alive. We've got to leverage our lives for others to discover hope in Christ. So first, we've got to be owned by it, and then we've got to be attached. We've got to be attached attached to it. I'm attached, right? If, if I'm not attached and I'm not owned by it, and this is Jesus, and I throw out the life preserver, and someone catches it, how do we pull them to safety? The first step is I have to be owned by him. I have to be, be attached. I've got to attach myself. Because when I'm attached to him, now I can take a Super Bowl invite card. Steve, stand in that middle row. This is kind of hard, so make sure you catch it or break your nose. You ready, Steve? Now I can take it, and Steve's a friend, right? And, and I, can, I can throw it out to him, and he can catch it. And because I'm attached, I can begin. He's out there. It's not tug of war. You're... <laughs> You're in the deep end and you're dying and I'm pulling you up to safety, right? If it's not attached, go, go back out there. Go back out there. Go back out there. Hey, how many lifeguards? Who's ever served at summertime in a lifeguard, right? Remember the first thing, one of the things they tell us when we go out there and they're flaying around, right? You don't get close to them. If they got that much energy, you don't try to rescue them. It's not until there's a sense of desire. But then, right, you get a hold of them. But if I'm not attached to him, just start walking, Steve. Just, yeah, go ahead and walk. Yeah, walk like you're getting somewhere. Walk like you're going out there to talk to Brady, not to retire. 
keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And if it's not attached to me and he keeps going and he keeps going, no rescue, that's good enough. No rescue, he's still going for Brady. I picked the wrong guy for my illustration. Um, There's no way I've got to be attached to him so that when I have shared the hope of Jesus, now there is a path back to safety. Here, check out what the Bible says in John chapter one and verse one on the big screen. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is Jesus. He always has been. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life and that life was the light of mankind. Now notice verse 14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous insider and out from the start to finish. He's moved in the neighborhood. We want our friends. We want everybody. We've got to embrace. I'm telling you, it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me sharing my faith, talking to people and and, and stepping out on that limb declaring that I'm a Christ follower, inviting them to follow Christ. That's that's always been uncomfortable for me. It's not natural because it's supernatural. Jesus is supernatural. A person giving their heart to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit is supernatural. It's not natural. It's not comfortable. But we do it because we believe this story. We're following Jesus. His life was uncomfortable. My life's gonna be uncomfortable. We're leveraging our life so others will discover this hope. Notice 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slow about keeping his promise, as some people think. He's waiting for you. The Lord does not want any person to be punished forever. He wants all people to be sorry for their sins and turn from them. That's our Savior. This question that gets asked to you and gets asked to me all the time. So if God's good, why does he let? People are, well, is God so good? Because the narrative is that God's a lollipop. The narrative is that he's your sugar daddy. The narrative is is that if you follow Jesus, all good things would happen to you. On the contrary, God is good because the disease of sin is rampant. And the disease of sin has one and final conclusion always, death, eternal death, separation from God. God is so good, he knew this pandemic called sin is in the world. And he doesn't ask you to put a mask on. He says, believe and trust in me and I will bring healing. I'll bring health to your life. There's a quote that I have on my desk. I've shared it with the church many times before. It's all about commitment. Notice what it says. Until I am committed. Before going any farther is this. How many many men were with me, with us at the men's 
uh, prayer breakfast that we have every year over at the Springs, right? Okay? Remember our speaker this year was Shep, right? Remember he said something that irritated you. It got your undies in a bunch. He said this, stop trying. Quit trying and start committing. You know why you use the word try? And if I hear one more Christian say, I'm gonna pray about it, my goodness, just get honest. I don't wanna do it. That's what you're saying. Okay, to all the religious people in the house, I know prayer is important. I know you should pray. But you ain't gotta pray about being kind and serving and all the things that you often wanna say that you wanna pray about. And stop trying. You know why you say you're trying? Well, I'm gonna try to do better at school. No, you're, you are setting up the excuse because when, you, when it doesn't go good, you're gonna say, well, I tried. Stop it! Stop it! Linda doesn't want me to say, I'm gonna try to be a good husband. You know, honey, I was in D.C. this past week and I was in the hotel room all by myself and I tried not to invite that woman up from the restaurant into my room. I tried, but guess what? She came up and we did the wild thing. But I tried. What the heck? Come on, people! Quit trying! We should all go down to the tattoo parlorship today and just get a, get a tattoo. Stop trying. Okay, we don't have to have a tattoo. But start committing. I'm going gonna, I'm, 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 I'm gonna to commit my life because when I commit my life, I'm doing my best and guess what? If it doesn't work out, that's okay. I'll learn and I'll just and I'll commit. And if that doesn't work out, that's okay. I'll learn and I'll just and I'll commit. And if that doesn't work out, I will keep committing until I take my last breath along the way because I'm not a trier. Jesus didn't try to save you from your sins. He committed his life. He left heaven. There's never been a jiu-jitsu champion who tried on the mat. He committed early in the morning, late at night. We commit ourselves. It's time as followers of Jesus. Look what it says. Until I am committed, there's a hesitancy, a chance to draw back. But the moment I definitely commit myself, then God moves also, and a whole stream of events erupts. All manner of unforeseen incidences, meetings, persons, and material assistance, which I could never have dreamed would come my way, begin to flow towards me. The moment I make a commitment. So you ready? You've been sitting, stand with me. Let's pray together. Let's commit our one and only lives that we will embrace whatever temporary discomfort. It's temporary because at best I've got 70, 80, 90 years on this side of life. That's temporary. 90, 100 years in light of eternity is temporary. I am not gonna give up my eternal satisfaction with my Savior for some temporary fleeting comfort at 57, at 32, at 16, at 18, at 31, at 96. If you've never become a follower of Jesus this morning, as I pray, I want you to become a follower of Jesus. If you're not attached, Maybe you made a decision back in the day, but it was one of those ROI decisions. And that's the reason you're so 
discouraged. That's why your life and Jesus seem like it's miles apart. If you've made a decision for Jesus, then in this prayer, make a decision to embrace the temporary discomfort that you might be going through and make it a declaration of your heart that you're gonna leverage your one and only life more than making money and more than being a good dad or a mom or grandpa and grandpa. All those things are good, but we do all that through the grid of I'm a follower of Jesus. This is who I am. This is not what I do. This is who I am. Now, if you've not made a decision for Jesus in this prayer, pray with me. God, I love you. My goodness, I love you. I thank you, Jesus, for embracing the discomfort of earth so that a guy named Mark could have a home with you, that I could be adopted into your family, that I could be alive today. God, if there's someone here who's never begun a relationship with you, or they've been playing and dancing around, they've, they thought that you're a lollipop, that you're a sugar daddy, and you, Holy Spirit, are convicting them right now to become a follower. If that's you, would you just say, Jesus, it's me. I'm done playing games. Today is different. I embrace you, Christ, as my Savior. I've sinned. I've played the part, but I haven't been attached to you. Thank you for dying on that cross and coming alive again, and I invite you into my life. And God, we rejoice with you in all of heaven as so many people in this space and online are beginning that relationship with you. And then God, I ask for all the Christ followers, those of us who've made a decision, but truth, God, we've, we've been lackluster. We've been trying. We really haven't been all in. If that's you, would you just right now have a conversation with your God and and say, hey, God, I, I embrace the discomfort. I'm tired of treating you like a lollipop. I'm done with you being my Uber driver, God. You're God and I'm not. And I will trust you and I will follow you. And when you speak, I don't need an explanation. Father, bless each man and each woman here today. All these little invite cards, God, these tickets to the Super Bowl as each one takes them, God, and takes them to their, their, their co-workers and takes them to their neighbors and the, uh, the parents on their kids' travel team. God, may, may so many come next weekend. God, I don't want one man or one woman to miss out on the hope that we have in your son, Jesus. May revival start and may it start inside this guy, my soul. Let it spread throughout our city and county. I sure do love you. Bless and favor these people as they follow and trust after you every step along the way. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Peace.